This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. fabulous jb moonstar (laughs) okay let's talk about what we're drinking a little bit so i have my drinking with authors cup and i actually put cranberry and lemonade with vodka cranberry lemonade i don't cran cran lemonade it's not good proportions i'm just luckily nobody else has it it was good Four proportion choices on my part. Um, our sponsor today is Skunk Brother Spirits. DWA10 is the coupon code. Check them out. They're amazing. Uh, CR, what are you drinking? So I actually, so you, uh, people that have listened to Joe the Four Horsemen drink. So I've been trying, yesterday I did that Coke Starlight and it was too sweet. So I'm, I'm improvising on the whole war drink because I have been trying to come up with some good ones. So this one is a cranberry raspberry with vodka this time. And I did a little bit of lime on top. And I think this might be the word drink. Okay. I like <laughs> it. She's delicious and feisty. Four horseman drinks. We'll yes. see. She, she will be one of them by the time this is all over with. JP, what are you drinking I today? I have some wine, some red wine, one of my favorites, in a glass that my son gave me. It's a prescription for wine. It says, fill as needed. So I'm good. I would be filling that all the time. That would be the problem for me. Okay. So JB, for anybody out here who's listening um, with my new fancy on-air sign, I'm super excited about that. But um, I, I, it's so much clearer tonight. You can almost see the words. I cleaned it. So there was that. Um, anyway, I cleaned it. I'm such a boss. Um, let's talk about, let's tell people who are listening what you write. So what do you write? Oh, okay. I write uh, fantasy adventures for, I guess, from 7 to 11, 12 year olds. And it's about uh, the basis is the Aturia Chronicles, where Aturia is a unicorn who's built um, caverns on the moon so he can rescue animals from Earth. They're being killed by humans. And each of the books, I, I guess this, this thing is Aturia is a, a unicorn with a mission. And he rescues animals and each of the stories is, it's not a continuous series, but each of them has the same plot that they are rescuing animals and taking them to the moon to keep them safe or keeping them safe on earth. Like they might release them or, you know, save them from something that's happening to them. And each of the stories is unique. The, the players, they do have a storyline, but they're all intertwined and they're all different. So you don't have yeah. to read. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. You could read one through four, and then seven, and go back to two. So you don't have to read them in order. And now yeah. this is the genre that I recently found out about. This is called middle grade, correct? Correct. This right. isn't considered young adult because I was mind blown with the whole thing because young adult used to be anything from uh, the Vladimir Todd series to the Harry Potter series to all of those, and now it has its own genre, right? Yeah, this is for kids who, um, I guess, are reading, but they're, you know, like from second grade to sixth grade, you know, not, not too much 
I mean, I like them myself. I read them myself. But anyway, it's for kids who are, I guess, in the second grade through sixth grade or something like that. Just it's it's a fantasy adventure story, and um, just lots of fun. You know, dragons and unicorns and things like that. So, Very cool. When did you start writing? I actually started writing about about 12 years ago, I wrote the first book. And I actually wrote it because my daughter was a very um, advanced reader. She was in elementary school. So she was she was like at a 10th and 11th grade level when she, when she was in fourth grade. So I didn't want her to be reading 10th and 11th grade books. So I thought I'd write something that had unicorns and dragons and magic and adventure, but it was safe for little eyes, I guess. Wow. Very cool. So you you wrote the books for your daughter? I started, yeah, I started that. And um, so just been having fun with it since then. And so I, you know, I base it on the animals that I, you know, read or know, and then family members pop in every once in a while with different characters. Like my dad is Russ. And um, actually, I didn't know until after I named her. Megan is another name. It's a short name for Margaret, which is my mother. So oh, wow. I didn't know that till that. after I had her in the book. And um, so now I have my mom and dad in my books. They both have passed away. So, you know, it's nice to have them in there. That's very awesome. Did you write when you were younger or only after you became a mom and you're like, you know, I'm going to write for my kid. Did you write when you were younger? No, not at all. No, no. I was more of a uh, crafts person, um, crocheting and quilting and knitting and keeping busy that way so oh wow that's really cool well one thing too about your books is your daughter does the covers for them she does she's very talented and matter of fact she drew a picture of a manatee and a mermaid together and that inspired the whole michelle book which is coming out soon so that whole book is based on that picture she drew and it's gorgeous. Very cool. Did you have, um, so how many books do you have out in your series so far? There's seven that are out um, and there's three, let's see, Michelle and Jenna are coming out soon or in the next five months or so. And then uh, there's several in the works and uh, my daughter and I are also actually thinking of spinning off a separate series about the mermaids based on Michelle, um, calling them the mermaids of Crystal K. And then she'll draw the mermaids and I'll write the books about them. That is awesome. So I love that you started writing the story for your daughter and then it's, it's spawned into so much. Have you always been an advocate of endangered species though? I just, I just can't, I hate cruelty to animals. And I really, you know, try and hope people would be humane to animals, but unfortunately that's not always the case. And I won't get on my soapbox here, but I just want children to realize that there are things out there that they sh can know about. I try and put it in a way that it's not get them upset, but I just want them to know that the red wolves are really endangered and, you know, things like that. And the Yellowstone wolves, there's only about a hundred of those left. So it's just something that they might not even think about, you know. No, it's true. I think it's a great form of education and it's a way for them to have it in, in um, uh, where they can have their reality see it. Like 
I think sometimes when you say to somebody, there's only a hundred of something left, like, I don't even know that they can compute when you say that, like mm -hmm. you say it, it goes in they can think of a hundred, but then they don't realize the magnitude of saying there's only a hundred left. Right. Especially as little kids, because I know like I, I still offer my nephew a dollar to, to do things. And he's like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'll do it. So like for a little kid or, you know, he's, he's in first grade. So like to say there's a hundred of something to him, it's like, holy crap, there's a hundred of something. But as mm -hmm. you get older, you slowly, you realize that a hundred really isn't that much. And right. a lot of times, like when you look at things like with wolves, you're like, there's a wolf, like you see a wolf in your head. You don't realize that like there's these other things. So to create something like that, that kids can understand at an emotional level is something that's really amazing. So are we, you said you got your inspiration from Michelle and the Manatee, which is coming out from a mm -hmm. picture that your daughter put together. What about mm -hmm. the rest of the stories? Where do you get your inspiration from? Um, well, Russ, the first book in the series, I got my inspiration because I wanted to explain how Jenna's grandfather met Ituria Knocker when he was a teenager. And, um, and the, the hidden message, some of my books have hidden messages in them. I don't know if I should get into or not, but the, no, whole, sure. purpose of, the whole purpose of Taylor and the hit, of Russ and the hidden voice was that I found this poor little frog that had got caught in my out, outside um, a pool pool bath and it got caught behind the screen and it it wasn't alive anymore and it had just sort of turned into a, a I don't know um it was dead and it was I don't know what the right word mass. Is no it was it was like leather it was like the skin had turned to leather over oh. the bones it was perfectly preserved like he could wake up at any second matter of fact I have him on my shelf over there it's part of this end of the story so my whole purpose, the hidden voice was him trying to get out. And it turned out he was getting out of the cave so he could be back in the sun again. He was a ghost by then, but he wanted to get out and see the sun again. And that was the whole bottom agenda of that one, you know, hidden agenda. And like in um, Taylor, my dog had just died from cancer and I wanted to get her to the moon. So she's the little, little one, Callie. Callie, she's the one who is the little one there. So we got her to- So are, are all of your books fanatical representations of like your, your life experiences? Like, no, did you well, take those and turn them into something else? Um, no, I think they're either based on something I read or something I did, but I always like to have something to focus on. Like in um, Jenna and the one with the broken promise that's coming out it was a it was a it's actually going to be a necklace that she's going to get at the end of this this story so it's just um i can build a whole story around just like one object or one one feeling one memory one story so that's what i that's awesome not a lot of yeah. people have that skill set that's amazing I think I'm just kind of crazy. I have like five of them in my head right now. You have to talk to Angie. You have to talk to Sarah. You have to talk to Peter. They're all in there waiting for me to write their story. So they all have their storyline ready. I just have to sit down and type it up. And like I said, I, if I try and tell them to do something that they don't want to do, it messes the whole story up. So I just have to follow whatever they want to do. 
So wow. So from not writing at all to starting this about 12 years ago, now it seems like you like unleashed something and it can't stop. Do you feel That's that right. way? <laughs> yeah. That is fun to me. It's so much fun to write and what is I what is I get away from the world for a while, you know, you get to go in your own world that you've created and you know, you have to stay by the rules. Like even though knockers are dragon or Megan's a dragon, they can't do things that dragons can't do. Like when Megan was trapped in the cave, she couldn't go up the stairs unless she, while she was a dragon. So they had to transform. Well, I'm probably telling you things about the story. You shouldn't, but they, she couldn't go up the sta stairs because the stairs were too small for a dragon to get through. So you have to figure out how to get her up the stairs. That's awesome. So what is, what is your writing environment like? Like, so you started doing this. Did you take any formal classes or anything at any point? Um, I did. I do. I do have a bachelor's degree in legal studies. So I have a lot of writing background, but most of it's very set and formal. So I took a couple of those online classes. Um, well, actually it was a correspondence course writing for children. And, you know, they teach you some good things in it, like, show don't tell that's the thing you keep hearing and I'm getting better at that so I try and do that a lot and um so that's that's basically it I just you know I took those two classes and learned some stuff and I just try and put it in the books where it fits I think that's awesome do you find that it's um if you come from a legal and I do know what you mean about legal writing because I tease lawyers or I interact with during my daily job all the time because there's a lot of words that they like to put in legal things <laughs> like it's almost like the course in writing legal is figure out how to add more words because they used to get paid by the word so they just they're gonna instead of a sentence that could say turn off the light they're going to be like we need you to encounter the room and then open like it's this whole long thing and then it's to turn off the light and you're like couldn't you just have said turn off the light and they're like, no, no, we need to make sure it's crystal clear and we've covered everything. That it's in this room. It's <laughs> in this room, that light switch, which way, up or down, which way you have to push it. Yeah, yep. exactly. So did you find it easy from that aspect to transition over into writing fiction? I did because in the legal, you have to have so many different things going on at the same time in your pleadings and your, and your uh, motions and stuff. So you have to keep them all in track in your head. So I'm able to keep all the different kind of plot lines going different directions in my head so they can all mesh together at the end and, and meet. So it all works pretty oh, good. For that me. is a cool skill set, actually. I never <laughs> even thought of. That's actually yeah. really true with legal to be able to Oh, I probably should pay more attention to what they're writing. Have nah. to get to the wherefore. This might have to happen. Therefore, henceforth. That's oh right. my goodness. Oh, I think wow. plot lines are so complicated, especially as you drag them out. It just gets you confuse yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. now that you've created seven so far of these, well, nine technically of the books, and you have five more in your head. Did you create a world Bible for yourself? I do have one. Um, it's actually a unit. It has unicorns all over the outside of the book. And it has all, I'd spent several months planning how to live on the moon in the caverns. 
Um, you have to take into account the sun, how you're gonna get the sun inside the caverns. You have to figure out how you're gonna get the water, how you're gonna get the sand, how you're gonna get everything to grow. And I did, I figured it all out. And then comes to find out people are thinking about doing it now for real. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Arturia was there first. <laughs> you're gonna be like, people will be looking back on these books were brilliant. She knew exactly how to do this. <laughs> That's yeah. very it's cool. a guide. It's a how-to. As they it, look back, they're like, all right, where is this thing? Yeah, I've I've got it all figured out how you can see we have all the animals that we've rescued, plus we bring up the um, badgers and the bugs, and actually the termites are the ones that seal off the caverns. So you can start storing air in them so the animals can breathe in the caverns. So if every single animal in the whole earth we take up there and, and everybody works happily together. Oh, that's a really cute story. Um, let, what about when you sit down and write? What is your writing environment like? Does it need to be quiet? Are you a morning writer? or How, did, how does this work for you? Um, well, I do have a full-time job. So if I get, sometimes I get up early in the morning, three or four in the morning and write for a couple hours or because <laughs> <laughs> wow. I go to work at seven. I mean, I have to be at work by seven. So um, yeah, so if I get up for a couple hours or work at night or on the weekends, sometimes like some of my books that take me just a couple, Taylor and Megan wanted a book really bad. So they took only like two or three weeks to write the whole book and they were telling me what they wanted to do. Like oh, I wow. said before, if you don't do what they want you to do, they get mad and the whole story blows up and you have to start over again. I had to do that. Like on my third book, I said, they wanted to do something. They didn't want to do it. So it just messed it up and I had to start all over again. Oh my goodness. So, do you ever start out? I hit this actually today, um, working on my own series where you have a set thing that you're doing for somehow in your mind, I don't outline, so I'm not a, but you have an idea of how it's going to go. And as you're writing, you realize this is not going to go how you thought. And like, let's say you have a plan for how long it's going to be or what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you realize this is not going to work out. And you end up just blowing the whole story out in a way that you've never realized, like you didn't initially think. That did happen to me um, on one store, on one book where I was, I had gotten to where I wanted to be and I still should have at least five or six more chapters. So my brilliant daughter, Jen said, well, why don't you just do something unexpected? So I started the next chapter called Unexpected Visitors. And then we had another five or six chapters and had a whole nother storyline going through, which worked out really good. Very cool. Okay, we are gonna take a quick break and we will be right back with Drinking With Authors. Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. 
Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. Okay, we're back, and with JB is actually her daughter, who does all the amazing cover art for her books, so uh, CR was going nuts, so we had to bring her in. Okay, show the mermaid picture. Let's show it, because that is amazing. And how do you get, you can see it? Can oh, yeah. It? That's oh, wow. The Michelle. Michelle and the Missing Manatee, and it's gorgeous. And That's it's amazing. Absolutely. All of, all you guys got to go on the YouTube. You guys have to tune in and like see because it is beautiful. Absolutely. So, CR, ask your okay. Oh, do you want to show more? Show more. Feel yes, free. go ahead. Donation for Sarah. I don't know if you can see it or not, but Sarah is going to have a ghost tiger. Oh my goodness. I want a ghost tiger. Why can't I have a ghost Wait, tiger? Can you like message me after? Because I want to commission a few things. <laughs> Okay, so ask your questions, OCR, besides okay. personal commission <laughs> questions right now. So before we started the podcast, I, I had heard that you created the covers for all of your mother's books. Mm -hmm. Did Do you draw them? Mm -hmm. Like you, you draw them, you don't piece piece things together? No, these are all hand drawn. No, I give her six figures and she makes <laughs> How do you come up with that? Uh, well, like she says, she will say this one's about, you yeah. know, the wolf, the endangered red wolf, and it takes place here, and then I just sort of This, this one's up. gorgeous. I don't know if you can see it, but I said it, it, I wanted... All of the covers are amazing. And I wanted mm -hmm. trees, and she did it, so yeah, she's very creative. So you just let her run wild? You tell her a few key things, and you just let her run yeah. wild? I say what what I want. I, that is I try amazing. To draw stick figures. They look ridiculous. <laughs> she does it, you know. She handles for me. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of art, obviously, flowing through this family because that's right. just purely amazing. Purely. Yeah, I amazing. mean, I have all of your covers pulled up on my computer just because I like to like go through everything, and they're just they honestly they look like when people take photoshop and you go onto like google images and you piece things together so the fact that you drew them when i can't even draw a straight line with a ruler is just astounding <laughs> i love artists because i can't do anything so what was this like when your mom took a story she created for you and went i want to publish this well, i think it's very cool and i'm proud of all the stuff she's been doing and she's got like 10 now yeah, working on my 10th book now, so that'll be fun. So do you brag to your friends? Are you like, oh, my mother published this book. I did this cover. <laughs> I've seen the covers. Like millions, you know, th these are things, you know, one of the great things about books is they, they stick around forever. So like generations that come, we're going to see your art that you did for this book. Is that crazy to you? 
Yeah, I've always, I think it's cool that I've gotten to do this because I've always wanted to do book cover stuff. So this is a great for us, way for us to work together on this. I think this is terribly adorable. If I, if my <laughs> it is so cute. Actually, my <laughs> daughter is so cute. Too long, right? <laughs> well, you know, my daughter actually, and now she's fully graduated, so they can't do a takey-backsy of her stuff. But um, even in high school and stuff, she'd have art projects and have to draw things. And I'm no, I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to that, but she'd show up and I had to do all of her artwork. She just couldn't do it, period. Like she was not an artist. And so she, there was a very long book of stuff that I had to put together for this scarlet letter thing that she had to turn in. And, and to this day, people are like, you did that, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'll find that. <laughs> It's very cool to be able to work together. But now let's talk for a minute about your fans. So what was it like when you started to get fan feedback on your books? Well, I did have one from one, one boy and he, he, was, he reads my books and he says, you need to make sure all the chapters are the same length because his mom and him read one chapter a night and he wants them to be the same length. Oh. <laughs> That is adorable. But that is good because I can focus. Each chapter is like a stepping stone to the end of the book. So each chapter has one purpose and, you know, and then it jumps to the end. You always leave a cliffhanger at the end of each chapter. So it just keeps going and going on to the next chapter. I gotta say, I think that's an underrated thing. All of my chapters are basically the same words and I feel like it's a milestone and I don't think a lot of readers understand how amazing that is, but as an author, you're like, all right, I have 2,500 words I have to nail out. And then once you finish that chapter, you're like, I'm the victor of the day. <laughs> like I have one, I can celebrate, I deserve a donut. Everybody <laughs> should have a parade. I don't, it's, it's one of those weird things I think as authors that is underappreciated. And the fact that the, the little boy was like, I need them all the same chapter because we read it every night is probably the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that was really cute. He really, he, he's really a good, good fan, I guess. <laughs> so what about, um, you know, agencies where for protected animals and stuff like that? You've been working with some of those, correct? I do. I like the Defenders of Wildlife and the Nature Conservancy. I get lots of uh, magazines, four or five different magazines at least. And um, I get their, you know, their articles, like the wolf articles, the red wolves, uh, give me the background and setting. Cause I need, you know, you just can't pull a setting out of nowhere. You have to have, okay, this is what it's gonna look like. So, you know, the trees and the whatever. So I need to know what the background of the story looks like. So you can place it where people are I don't know if other people do, but I draw little maps of what my whole area looks like. So I know that you need to go south or west or up, you know, whatever to get somewhere. So, um, and they're very helpful and they're very nice about it. And uh, yeah, they, they do a lot to try and save the animals. So I try and support them when I can. That's very cool. So what about online reviews and stuff like that? How has that gone for you? Do you read your reviews online? I don't know if I've gotten that many. I don't, I don't remember seeing too many. So I've gotten one or two. I don't, I don't know. I like that. I'm not going to cyber stock my thing. I don't write reviews. So I don't think that's, you know, something that's going to happen. 
I don't think kids go write reviews. No, I'm not no, worried about that. That is very true. You've read, you've read a very difficult genre. You know, parents will get their kids the book, but they're not like, all right, little Billy, go write this review for this author. <laughs> right. So there is, there is, you know, they're not going to write a review. They won't even have, matter of fact, the parent of the, the my number one fan, as he would call himself, she doesn't let him do social media stuff yet. So, you know, he's not on the computer playing all day. So he wouldn't be able to do it anyway. Have you gone to, um, I know we've had COVID, so that's obviously, you know, changed things with being in person with people. But have you gone to schools or anything like that and read your book or? No, it's just been, yeah, the, the COVID thing is, we haven't gone out of the house. What, we haven't, don't get out much anymore, I guess is the right phrase. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Trust me, it, it changed everything for pretty much almost everyone, you know, yeah. going through that. Did Some you find it at all harder to, well, you wrote most of your, um, a lot of your books during the COVID time period. Did that give you more time to focus on that? Oh yeah, that's true. I did. So after I made, I'm by the quilts I'm working on, I made like 10 blankets and crocheted and I said, okay, gonna work on the books too. So we're good. That's I have awesome. to say, I crochet too. Like I get a lot of smack for it. I crochet all the time. My husband has a nine foot blanket of the TARDIS. Because like if sometimes if you just can't figure out what you're doing, just working with your hands as you read stuff, everybody knocks it. My my family makes it fun of me for it. But you know what? You know who they go to? Me. Yep. Yeah. Well, I will say this with complete honesty. I um crochet too. People don't Yay. know that. I don't do it a lot, but I actually crochet. Yeah, my husband has a TARDIS blanket. It's like nine feet, probably weighs a hundred pounds. Like I was sweating as I made it. He has a Hydra. I don't know if you guys ever watched Lost. He has a blanket that has all of that. Blankets. Like, I have so many weird hobbies. But that's fun though. <laughs> and it, it's relaxing to do that. Mm -hmm. And you can sit and think plot lines while you're crocheting. So now that we have the two of you here, we have a mermaid series potentially in the works. Is that what I heard? We do. Matter of fact, I've started on the first book. It's gonna it's gonna be Kimmy and the baby sea dragon. Oh, <laughs> Kimmy oh. gets to raise a baby sea dragon until it's big enough to go out into the sea. But they have issues to overcome. Like she swims really fast and he doesn't. <laughs> and he likes to snap at things and she doesn't like that. So we're having a lot of fun with that right now. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so adorable. I I, I just, I it's can't so even, cute. it is so, it's so cute. So your daughter works on the covers with you and you give her a few ideas to come up with them. Do you, does she help you writing wise? I don't like, know. Does she, I think I do the writing. Or, yeah. I think I do the writing part and she does all the, the pictures for me. At this point in the mermaids, I will say in the mermaid ones, she, we are discussing things together. Like if you're a mermaid, you're going to live for a couple hundred years and you'll still look like a 12 year old. And um, <laughs> we would discuss what they're going to eat, you know, and what their rooms and what they sleep on. You know, they sleep on a rock bed covered with sand, you know, in, in a cave. So we have it all, you know, we've been talking about it and uh, mermaids can see well underwater. They have like the night goggle vision, you know, where you can see shapes and movements, but their eyes have adapted to see underwater even at night. 
So That's we, awesome. we, I, I guess we have to be working out. I yeah. have terrible vision. That would be spectacular. <laughs> we need to just go be mermaids. That's what we need to go do. I mean, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's just abandon land life. And just, <laughs> I like it. What do you think is probably the most difficult part about writing for you? Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's finding the time or sometimes it's just, so when I turn on my brain, it just writes the story and it's my characters are lo loose in my brain and writing it. So I can't kind of, in fact, I'll be writing for hours and then I'll get up and I've left them somewhere they don't like. And they'll say, do you want to keep writing for a little while longer so we can get out of here? <laughs> so. Do you keep notes or do you do voice texts or anything like that? Because if you have a day job, like we have day jobs and you have to do that, sometimes like you're like, I, I have to do voice memos if something comes to me while I'm sitting there doing something else because, you know, so how do you how do you deal with that? I do that. Um, if I something comes to me while I'm working, I'll just write a note, stick it on the wall. You know, don't forget somebody has to do this or something like that. So yeah, I do cool. that. We, we've never had a cover artist on here before. This is so cool. No, I'm like trying to dig more questions. I'm like, what else can I ask her? <laughs> I'm like, what is your process as an, as an artist? Because I'm assuming it's probably not the same as, a, as an author, right? It's not huh? like you sit down and as an artist, like, you know, my mother-in-law always says I'm an artist, which is a lie because <laughs> it's different. But as an artist, like your mom comes to you and she's like, hey, I need you to make this cover. I want a deer and trees. Go with it. No, it's sort of similar because I'm also a writer. So um, you start like looking up references. So get your ideas, find reference images, colors, lighting, like you do an author. What did you want your character to look like? And then you find that inspiration and you can start sketching and do a few rough drafts. And then you start finalizing it from there. How long does a cover take you? Um, it depends. For um, the JD Moonstar ones, I'd say maybe three to four hours, six hours, depending on the complexity of the detail in it. But I'm using it. so short. She, corrects, she, she <laughs> creates those in six hours. It's just a few, it's right. a couple hours. No big deal. Four <laughs> hours, done. I do it between, you know, dinner. I don't know. I don't even think I could color in a color page in four hours. I was like, just thinking that. Like, <laughs> Corey gets me a coloring book every year because he says I need to de-stress and coloring is apparently the top way to de-stress. I don't think I can color a coloring page in four hours. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna test stay this. focused on that. Well, because um, I do lots of painting as well and digital painting and I've done challenges. Like I did Vermeil where I would do a full mermaid piece every day and it sort of teaches you to do you know, get a full piece done in four hours and work in that speed. Yeah, she did mermaid. She drew a mermaid every a day for a and month. She painted colors and everything. And so that's where, uh, yeah. So you so use physical tools. You don't use like so a I do digital and I do both. Okay. I've done both. She's, for, she's forgetting to tell you she has a bachelor's degree in art. And a master's, and master's Wait a second, and how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> DR, it is not polite to ask people how old they are. And her mom. I thought she was like us, 15. No, she like <laughs> she she was already at like 10th grade level at four years old. Are you not paying attention to what's going on in this podcast? I did, but then I was like, wait a second, my 
my math isn't working. Maybe I misheard something because like, it's just not adding up right. Now she has a, a bachelor's in art and a, a master's in graphics design. And so in, in, in something. What? Um, I got my master's in interactive entertainment, so video game design in... <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? I'm so underaccomplished. <laughs> I literally, I need to go climb a mountain or something now. I don't know. Right? I need something. We're going on a mountain hike this weekend, Erica. That's that's our plans. We're going to start wrapping stuff I up on our like list. Everest or something like that. I don't. Even, I feel very unaccomplished. <laughs> Starting like right now. <laughs> I, I like that, like how that just wrote I have this and I have that and I drove 30 mermaids no, no in 30 deal. days and I'm like <laughs> I just I wrote it on a post-it and maybe that's what I'm gonna accomplish today seriously craziness that's amazing that's though that truly is amazing I hope that wasn't an insult at all you just look very young and that is a huge compliment <laughs> I was like, this girl is rocking this shit out. <laughs> we didn't. No, plan we her. still are. She would. She. We didn't plan on her attending, so she didn't dress the part, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I doubt that's fine because now I don't feel bad 40. about trying. Like, now I don't feel bad about trying to commission things because I honestly I thought you were in high school and I was like, no, that's terrible. She has to focus. But like, no, yes, contact me after this. <laughs> that's ridiculous. We're doing a podcast here, Sierra. Do you want to ask a writing question, maybe? <laughs> All right, let's work this out. Um, so, now you said your books are all standalones, correct? Yes, they are. And I, so, if it, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. What is your your? Are you going to continue to? So they're standalones, but are they part of a series? Like, There's is it a, all a branch of something? It's, all, it's called the Ituria Chronicles, and Ituria has commissioned his uh, first guard knocker to chronicle the um, adventures of his Ituria's alliance on Earth. And so in the beginning of each book, there's a little letter. Let's see if I can find it real quick. That, that says, dear readers, this is my chronicling of this story. So every story is that has a forward by the dragon first guard telling him, because he's that's his job is to make sure that he chronicles the adventures of Aeturia's alliance on Earth. So are there pieces or characters that lace throughout to weave them all together? Yes, like Russ, okay. who's actually my dad. He is Jenna's grandfather. He's also Russ from the first book. He's also the research leader, team leader in the Jan books. So he just, you know, he's just a background character because you have to have adults somewhere. He doesn't have, you know, he just have, is there except for the first one when he's about 12. And then um, one of the bad guys is in three books and he's in uh, the Jenna, the, first, the second Jenna book, the second Taylor book, and the third Jenna book because he's just not a nice guy. Anyway, so <laughs> he won't be around after the Jenna Bird book. <laughs> See what happens to him. So we don't tell no, anybody in our books. It's okay. Don't, don't reveal that. Okay. I doubt any. Um, unfortunately, I I doubt many of the adults are going to go. You know, we should let our kids listen to this podcast. <laughs> Very true. 
Yeah, you're gonna get it. Come on, let's go listen to this drinking podcast before (laughs) bed, kids. Yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness, we're we're close to time. Uh, JB, what advice would you give to writers out there? Just write. You can always edit it, and what's the thing? You can never edit an empty page. So you just start writing. I know when I write a story, I write it. And, and it's terrible when I start, but I go through it four or five times and just make sure everything, you want to get the ideas down and the storyline down. Then you go back and make sure everything sounds good. So just write it. You can't edit a, an empty page. So I just write it all down and then just edit it as you go along and go back again and read it later, you know, add things to it. But you have to write it down first. Very, very I really cool. like that saying. Yeah. I, I'm going to just uh, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go out of the comfort zone. And what advice would you give cover artists out there, Jen? Yes. Um, make sure you just practice lots of styles and lots of things. I know when you first start an artist, as a, you like doing, um, you'll start doing the same things, but make sure you try different landscapes, different types of creatures, different types of characters. And that'll really help when you get to doing more covers because covers, you have to have all those things in there working very cool awesome you guys have been so much fun to have on this podcast so much fun and so adorable it is so (laughs) adorable i can't even stand it (laughs) okay so shameless self-promotion time jb how do people find you and don't give like personal information like your social media as an author how do people find you oh okay i have a website um www jbmoonstar.com and um, that would be the best way and of course the books are available like on Amazon and about everywhere else I guess and um, so hopefully everybody would pick one up and read it <laughs> awesome Jen do you have a way for people to reach out to you as a cover artist do you want to throw anything out there you don't have to because I'm just putting you on the spot suddenly <laughs> um, I have my Instagram is at j.codicart and so that's more of my fantasy style that's most probably the 30 mermaids are on the instagram so no that's fine i wrote it down i'll share it with anybody that needs it so it's perfectly fine like i'll i'll share it for you cr that was not the point of her telling us that oh my goodness know how that went off the rails okay well guys this has been drinking with authors the podcast i've been your host erica lambs my co-host has been the very greedy for personalized art cr right and our guests have been the amazing jamie moonstar and her amazing daughter who does the cover art and we oh our sponsor has been skunk brother spirits i gotta remember this one dwa 10 they're amazing and we will catch you guys next time